I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sunderland took another big step on their road to a massive resurrection, rising from the ashes, coming up from a horrendous double relegation and finally feeling like we are moving somewhere good. A 3-0 win at the weekend against Scunthorpe, and I am joined today by George Colton from The Times. How are you? Well, I'm very well, which is actually I'm sort of not used to saying <laughs> covering northeast football that's true it's been a horrible couple of years and alex how are you i am fantastic good you enjoyed the game at the weekend i most certainly did that'll be your first of the season second first of the season yeah hopefully first one of many more yeah and you hopefully you missed the game on thursday calendar. i did yeah i did sadly he's a half fan <laughs> hey, I, no, I, I didn't i didn't book my holiday for that week unfortunately if i had control over that and most, and most certainly would not have missed the Charlton game, but what are you going to do? Yeah, that was a big one to miss as well. But it was like... Anyway, we'll uh, obviously talk about the game this weekend. So a quick rundown in case you haven't seen the game, although if you listen to this podcast, I imagine you have. But just in case, uh, we're lined up with a 4-2-3-1. John McLaughlin continued in net. Adam Matthews right back. Leuvens and Baldwin were the two centre-halves. Oviedo played at left back. Max Power made his home league debut. Max Power. Yes. <laughs> Homer Simpson's best persona, in my opinion. Uh, Lee Catamole played with him. And then there was Maguire, Honeyman and Gooch behind Josh Madger. Goals were scored by Power, a header on the 22nd minute. Madger then added a second a few minutes later. And then Maguire finished the game off in 42 minutes. And we all sort of had to sit through a dire second half where Scunthorpe's only intention was to kick Sunderland. Dire second half? Suddenly winning 3 0 at home, and you say that was a dire second yeah, half. It's amazing how quickly we've become really ungrateful, isn't it? <laughs> it was a dire second half, though. Let's it was, honest. well, not a lot happened. Yeah. Um, so we'll just get straight to the nitty gritty of the game. So, what did we make of the first 11? Catamore's inclusion, I suppose we'll start there. George, what did you make of seeing him on the team? Yeah, page? so the first thing I have to say is that that is the first time I've seen Sunderland this season. Hopefully it won't be the last, although if last season is a guy and I won't be seeing them too too many times. So please forgive the please forgive the ignorance and I won't <laughs> pretend to be an expert on a team that I'm not that I'm not seeing very often. Um I thought I thought they played well. I mean, it was a surprise, bearing in mind everything that's happened to see Catamol in the first 11, but... Were you surprised how good he was? I thought he was superb. Because obviously you'll 
certainly read about Sunderland all the time. And you yeah, know, yeah, seeing yeah. the reports about yeah. Luton last weekend where he yeah, didn't and I was I, I, I went to like the first press conference of the season and stuff, and I've you know I did a preview to the season and things like that. And you know when you see see reports suggesting that you know linking him with Bordeaux or whatever it was he was he was kind of linked with um, to see him in to see him in the team was a surprise. He was outstanding and. It's, I suppose, it's something we've said about him over the years. If you have a switched on Lee Catamol, if you have a fully focused Lee Catamol, and I suppose most importantly, if you have a fit Catamol, you've got some player. But he 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 controlled the game, and he he went in with a couple of tackles, you know, sort of trademark tackles, which got people on their feet. And I, he was he was excellent. I mean, Lord knows what happened. Um, you know, between between now and the the loan window closing, whether he'll stay or go, but he looks very very good at this level. I mean, you would hope that would be the case, but he did. Alex, what did you make of uh, Lee Catamol? My phone is just vibrating. I always tell everybody off when that happens, so I must apologise. What did you make of Lee Catamol's performance? Yeah, I I thought he was. I thought he played very well. You know, um, he was against Sheffield Wednesday in midweek. I was expecting him to turn out another poor performance again but he was much better then and he continued that form into today's game I was th- my concern with Catamol <laughs> yes, in Jack Ross's system is that he plays a lot more of like a fast pace free flowing attacking football and Lee Catamol's game has never lent itself well to that type of philosophy in football so I was really expecting him to just be off the pace to just be you know a, a few a few miles behind the rest of the team when they're going forward but no, no, he, he did all right, you know, considering that he's normally a bloke who you who comes into his own when you're grinding out a tedious result against a, a, a better team in the league. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with him. The goals themselves, I, I certainly thought that Sunderland had the edge after the first five minutes. The dominated the play early on it felt like there was a gulf in class. I don't know if that was me just with rose-tinted glasses, George, but did you see it that way? Early going, the seem to be the the more dominant team yeah if and if you're listening to this podcast last week um i would just say that tomorrow's game the goals were really good um just because you got your day wrong (laughs) so just to really confuse people um no i thought they were at it from the start i thought they dominated dominated from the start and the kind of lovely thing was seeing a sunderland and unusual thing was seeing a sunderland team play with real energy and kind of ferocity and uh playing good football and absolutely zero fear at the stadium of the light and you know all those things are all those things are very encouraging and you know it's about time that place got back to how it was you know in the early days of the stadium where it was a horrible place to go if you were an opposition team and you know a daunting place to go the limited things I saw last season and certainly all the stuff the seasons before it was somewhere that opposition teams wanted to come to and Sunderland didn't want to be at and that was Mm. kind of patently obvious I mean it's startling when you think back that Sunderland won three home league games last season three home league games the season before and they've already won two at home this season they've won their first two home league games I know that's like a very basic statistic but you can't you can't negate how important that is I mean it's important for slightly sorry slightly different subject but it's so important for the people here to have something to buy into on the pitch and off the pitch but you know to 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 kind of be rewarded for that and that was one of the sort of joyful things about yesterday was seeing uh 
seeing a team in red and white stripes look like they gave a F-U-C-K. Do I spell it out? I might as well have just said it. Yeah, yeah. I should have just said F-star. it. You've hardly censored F- it there, really. Sorry, F <laughs> hyphen star, whatever, asterisk. That was stupid. Um, you know, looking like they cared and looking like they wanted to be there and getting great support. And you had that sort of lovely relationship inside a stadium. Fans feed off team. Team feeds off fans. There you go. That's how it should be. It win- sounds so simple. but A winning combination. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, great. First goal, Alex. Um, I would superb goal in my eyes. Better when I've seen it on the tele- uh, television afterwards. But brilliant header from Max Power. What did you Max make of his performance? Can I do that every time? Or <laughs> every get, time. Or every single boring? time. What we'll do is just do it once, and then we'll clip it in. And every Max time Power. Max yeah, Power comes up. I'm we'll sure just... Sean will love having the task of doing that. Yeah, you'll have to listen to him meticulously pick it out. But no, Max Power, his performance and his goal. What did you make of that, Alex? Uh, I mean, the the goal was just as good as the build-up play. You know, Brian Oviedo had an absolute played an absolute blinder. And that cross was just one of many that he floated in with absolute pinpoint accuracy all game. And obviously that, you know, it, the finish was, like I say, just as good. The header was pinpoint right in the top left, I believe. Sure. And it was just a lovely goal. Top there. left in my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah at the, at the, keeper's right. Yeah, keeper's right, top left. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just a great finish. Is Oviedo going to stay? I do hope so. Uh, you're the journalist. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, we'll it's have you not... I'll drop my text. Never yeah. replies to my text unless it's yeah. a podcast. Well, I've got no status, so I'll chip in and say something. Go on. Yeah, um, I mean, Oviedo could very easily go to a Spanish club, couldn't he? Or any, you know. Someone, just a Spanish. Some, Are you tipping some, Spanish? Well, well, someone from the La Liga or Segunda so, could just come in and be like, you know what, Brian? You know, Spanish is your native tongue. We play uh, we play a better standard of football than Sunderland do. So just, you know, come here. We'll, we'll pay you more. Oh, I think and that, that, that could be enough to just move them on. You know, it, it, we're really, we're really not in a great position to hold on to a player of that standard because he is just so good in this right, league. Completely. If, yeah. if we do well hold on to him, then we've done very well indeed. But if he does go, then he, sadly you just can't be too surprised because that is an asset and a half you've got in this league. Having him on the pitch yesterday was like having twelve players. You know, he could do all the job of a fullback and the role of a winger in one. You know, he could. He could contribute defensively. He could get forward. He could, he could pick up anything with a pass. You know, you need Nevada lost property there. He could just ask him to search it with a cross. It was absolutely tremendous. It, and it effectively as well gave Maguire the the freedom to do more than just his role because, you know, should he have wanted to sort of deviate from just being an out and out winger, Oviedo could have covered for him easily. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm you with know, you it, on it, it's it's yeah, be, he's, he's 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 a great asset. I think you. If there's a better fullback in this division, then you've seen something I haven't. So if, if you're not, if you're in doubt, yeah, I'm a big fan of little Costa Rican. He is on forty-two grand a week, though. Well, well, so that's there you go. So mm. I suppose that's 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 the other side of it, isn't it? I mean, I don't know whether that means there's a. I'm sure there's a Nossasuna or a Getafe who can give him a little bit more, though, and a better standard of football. They probably won't be giving more than forty-two grand a week. Well, they could give him a little bit less and a bit in the same and a better standard. I'm sure he'd take that. But yeah. he's, I mean, he stands out. He stands out a mile. Mm. Um, I mean, so hopefully he'll stay. Um, but I mean, yeah, that is a yeah. lot. Of, that is a the thing sh- is shitload of money. Isn't if it? they can't get rid of Catamol, I think they're going to afford to probably keep one of them. Mm. But if they can't get rid of Catamol, then I think if you pick in between the two, you would definitely have Oviedo over Catamol. You know, we're fairly oversaturated in midfield as it is. Yeah, I don't think the plan. See, after Catamol's performance at the weekend, it's hard to say that he won't be part of the plans if they can keep him, but they've bought so many midfield players who yeah, are good. Yeah, McGeeark or, or, or Nian, 
We've got Robson as well. Robson, Wimbledon, uh, Power, obviously. Max Power. <laughs> it's going to get so boring yeah. now. Well, he does He's have a name you'd have to touch. But you must in touch. Good, good symptoms <laughs> Um The other goals, Majes scored his third of the season and... Mm. The, the finish, George, for me, he looks like he's a, a natural. In that area, sort of on the outside of the box, he seems to be clinical. Yeah, no, great, great finish. Um, really good. And that's, you know, that's a fantastic start. That'll give him him confidence moving forward. Yeah, three and three. That's, you can't really, can't really knock that, can you? And nope, took it, took it really well. You seen his goals at Luton last last time out? Uh, well? I did. I can't remember them, but Gooch played one in. And he did yeah, a yeah, yeah. Finish. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. He just looks like he. I think fans weren't sure what to expect from, but he seems to be looking very good at this level. He, certainly, I thought he's um, hold up play seems to have come on leaps and bounds from last season, and he, he the way he can control the ball if it's under his head, if it's not a physical aerial battle, he generally seems to win the ball. Which certainly for me, I was. I was very impressed by that. The third goal, I think, was the best goal of the game. Would you say long ball from oh, Baldwin? Uh, Maguire ends up getting on the end of that. Um, Alex, what did you make of that one? It was just a great team goal, and obviously the you know the little bit of flick there was nice. Nice yeah. bit of finesse. Nice one too. Oh yeah, between Guchin. Yes, that was lovely, wasn't it? I'm trying to remember. Um, I've got such a terrible memory. I can't remember. Well, I well, clearly can't remember what the, happened. On the yesterday. thingy, I should have showed you all. The... You should just to remind me what I was doing yeah. less than 24 hours. Well, I'll, I'll describe it and then Go you on. Can imagine it. So Baldwin picks the ball up in his own half, plays a out 60 yard crossfield ball to Gooch. Gooch plays a one two with Honeyman. Yeah, and then plays it across to Maguire, who's in the box, who back heels it in. And then what happened? And then we scored. And then what happened? And then we score with nothing. No, everyone, the game was, everyone cheered. Everyone cheered. Yeah, yeah and then, then nothing happened? happened the rest of the game. Then what happened? I went home. And then this what happened? This is poor, this kind of what happened? TV. And then what happened? Uploaded it. I did the spoot your goals. Just living life this life. It was. Then what happened? I went to bed. Okay, let's that, that's, that's move on. <laughs> yeah. that, that was me. That was my day. Oh, I watched Match of the Day too. Right, okay, yeah. Which, shout out to Man City for being... Very good at football. Yeah. Very, very good at football. Yeah. Uh, so 3-0 at uh, half-time. Second half, expectation has killed him. In my head, I was saying to my dad, who doesn't normally go to the games that often, I was like, we need to kill him in the second half. But they didn't do that. They just won 3-0. But, well, but they were kind of killed already, weren't they? Yeah, they were yeah they're pretty much dead. Just would like, you know, one more would have been nice. I know they missed a sitter as well in the second half, but what, the second half performance, can you see why they did that with the game on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much football to come, isn't there? And it's, you know, it is absolutely relentless. You think the championship's relentless. League one is, it's more of the same, isn't it? So, uh, took the foot off the gas a little bit. The game was won. Fair enough. Move on to the next one. I mean, uh, and the first half was so good that I think we can allow them, I think we can allow them that. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. And with the big game on Wednesday, Alex, do you think the game management, it's one of them key phrases they use in football, do you think our game management was on yeah. point? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I don't think the second half performance being more underwhelming than the first was down to the team just suddenly lacking quality. I think they deliberately took the foot off the pedal in order to preserve the team for the next game. I mean, when you drop from the championship, when you, when you drop from the Premier League to the Championship, you trade a significant amount of quality for physicality, and I think you do that again when Absolutely. you go into League One. You know, yeah. you know, teams get you know, you, you see more and more shit hours arena, less and less actual talent in the game, and I think we. Jack Ross probably thought, you know what, with, with you know, we've killed them off. You know, their morale will be absolutely sapped. We're three 0 up. 
just just steer the ship in the second half, see the game out, stop them scoring. If you score another one, another two, great. But ultimately, just don't don't work yourself too hard, and you know, just save your energy from a player Gillingham. Because if you if you if you overly exert yourself now, then you're just going to have lumps kicked out of you, and you're going to be thrown around by you know a very physical team, one of many in this league. So just don't tie yourself out, and we'll be you know we'll we'll be coming off the game better and we'll be in a better place to play another game on Wednesday. Let's just be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, I've got a couple of negatives to pick on there. So. Well, Negatives? Right. No, no, no. no. This, this is a negativity-free zone. This well, I was, I was saying before we turned the mics on, I was saying that it was like I left the stadium whatever time it was. Yeah. So six o'clock, quarter past six, and I rang my boss just to make sure they got my report okay. And he said, yeah, I got it fine. Uh, so how was that today? I said, it was great. <laughs> and as the word was leaving my lips... I thought, Jesus, when was the last time I've said that? I mean, almost about any game, but <laughs> certainly here. And we are talking about years. I mean, not there's been some great occasions over the years, over the last few years, but the circumstances have never been great, have they? I mean, no. for the last few years. So whereas here, sort of everything felt great. There was a good there was mm. a good there's a good energy about the team. There's a good energy about what's happening off the pitch. Um, you know, for me, it was a pleasure to 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 see friends and do do the stuff that I kind of would normally do for a Sunderland game, and I haven't done enough of that kind of recently. Um, I met my friend Lindsay beforehand. Lindsay, I'm mentioning her name because she listens to the podcast. Oh, so shout out to Lindsay. Uh, hello, Lindsay. Your fantasy league football team is pretty shit and mine is beating <laughs> you by a lot it's lovely to see her and anyway but it was all you know the all the usual things that you do when you come to a game but on top of that you have that sort of positivity around the football and off the pitch stuff and i really can't remember the last time i felt that coming to sunderland and coming away from it thinking yeah it was good does it, yeah. does it good. feel like a different football club well so the piece i wrote was um it was that was what it was supposed to be kind of about um for, for in today's paper was supposed to be about you know trying to trying to sort of capture the mood if possible and um i met another friend of mine jane uh jane moran after the after the game and she's in a sort of very difficult position with her family she's always gone to the match with her dad she's uh she's 50 54 and her dad's very poorly and may very well not come back, be able to come back to the stadium. And she just sort of said this uh, on Twitter on Friday night, and I saw that, and Stuart Donald also saw it. And anyway, you know, fast forward a little bit, he went round to their house yesterday before the game and had a chat, talked football, and as he'd said to her in a little note, whatever we can do, we can do. Well, You know, we'll do. And... She so she went to the match yesterday. She had to leave at half time because she found it a bit overwhelming. She first went to a game in 1974, I think she told me, and that was the first time she'd been without a dad, which is it's pretty amazing. Um, so she found the whole experience, you know, sort of difficult, but loved the football. And she said to me, which I kind of found, thought was very poignant, she said, It felt like we lost our football club. Now it feels like we've got it back. Now it's very early in this process if we have to call it that and we have to i suppose at every step remember that it's not just new players like it is every summer 12 new players whatever it is it's not just a new manager like it is every summer it's also new owners 
and the whole thing is new and there are going to be i am sure there will be bumps on that road because they just have to be they just has to be but it it is just really encouraging and you just want it to you know you want it to be last you want it to last sorry and you know it does it does make you think about sort of all the shit that has happened over the last few years and the stuff that you know the stuff that kind of fans have gone through and all that kind of stuff and those little connections once the reason I wanted to tell that story was you know these little connections are really important it's about a football club remembering who it is what it is what it's supposed to be and um you know there's a a lot of money in the Premier League all that kind of stuff but that personal connection is vital you know a club is a group of people that's what a club is that's what it means and Sunderland you know Sunderland have to rediscover that and it feels like they are couldn't really put it much better myself yeah. spot on could probably have said it quicker but no I quite enjoyed it but no I... <laughs> max power <laughs> no I think I think you're right I think from certainly our perspective at Roker Report it's been years since we've had positive news and while mm. we're only in the early stages of the season we've you know got seven points from three games it does feel like it's different it feels like we are finally rising for the first time we are on an upward on a roller coaster after going down a yeah. very severe drop for a long time and it it does just feel it feels good I, I, I can't remember the last time I went to the stadium and I was looking forward to actually seeing the football it felt like it used to be a duty like yeah. you know yeah. it was like my church on a Sunday and I was like oh I can't be bothered to go yeah yeah the, fo- the, the football was the bit that got in the way and yeah. seeing your mates was good and yeah. you know all that yeah but, but I'm required to be in the stadium for 90 minutes just so I can say yeah. that I've supported them through the bad times you yeah, know yeah. I'm basically I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm as, as you say, it's a duty, it's like a service yeah. that you, you have to carry out in order to sort of validate yourself as a fan, almost. Yeah, and yeah. I, and it's something, it's just incredibly simple. I mean, I hoped I hoped that this would be the thing that happened last season, and it didn't, obviously. But that whole thing about, you know, that, that sort of narrative that we were sort of all sort of forced to believe in or... or, or you know, sort of accept that staying up by the skin of the. T- I'm sure we talked about this last yeah, time. Yeah, we I did. did. The f- I'm sure. Well, I'm going to say it again. So don't shake your head. Don't look <laughs> bored. But I'm going to do it again. And now I'm going to make it last even longer. But the you know that whole thing about staying staying up by the skin of your teeth being a miracle or being a great escape. Okay, do it once. It's a great escape. Fine. But that that became Sunderland's identity almost and that was seen as a, as a success and used you know used as an excuse to kind of start again and things like that the the great lie of that is that what's important is or what's nice is seeing your team do well and it actually doesn't matter that much what the level is and you know everybody wants to be in the premier league of course and everybody wants to see your team beat man city or you know whatever but there is something incredibly valuable about just seeing your team win, and I it's it's not happened often enough at Sunderland over the years to take it for granted. So that simple thing of being there yesterday and walking out the stadium, thirty thousand people, it was extraordinary. But anyway, walking out that stadium, thinking, I I enjoyed that. That yeah. is that has been so rare that people have to get used to that again yeah. and enjoy it. Just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. When I used to leave the stadium in the, the past two or three seasons, 
I was so used to watching losses that I, I developed sort of like a reflex where as soon as I was out the stadium with my dad and my granddad, would just start talking about how awful the whole situation was. You know, the first thing we'd do is bemoan all the different failures, whether that be on the pitch, whether that be in the boardroom, we'd bemoan everything wrong with the club as soon as we were done. You know, that was just like a sort of like a weird, a weird like ritual that we like sort of subconsciously developed almost. And when I went to leave yesterday, I walked out and then I think that part of the brain that would activate that reflex sort of, it tried to try to kick in and just, <laughs> and just nothing came out. I feel like I almost opened my mouth and just to, just to utter something soundlessly and then close it again. It was just a very surreal feeling. So yeah, I think really I've, you know, I'm just so used to failure that I don't even know how to respond to success anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's going to take some getting used to watching a successful football club. It, it it shouldn't need some taking used to. It shouldn't be surreal to watch a team, you know, pipe another team three 0 But but here we are. Yeah. Um. Again, uh, I agree. <laughs> it, yeah. it is nice to actually be winning games. Uh, George, how was meeting? I presume you would have spoke to Jack Ross. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so he was he was obviously he did his press press thing after the game and. Um, I did a kind of I did a season preview mainly with Bob Murray, but uh, well, I went want to, to talk about that later. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll uh, mark that. And <laughs> and went you know went to Jack Ross's presser. So I've been to a couple. That's all I've been to. Um, but he comes across very well. Um, seems very solid. Seems very. He certainly isn't getting carried away. Um, and I suppose more more importantly than those impressions is the stuff that people are saying. Inside the building, inside the stadium. Clearly, I don't go to I don't go to many games now, and I won't get be able to get to sort of every press conference. But I do still speak to people, and what is really encouraging is 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 the kind of feedback that that comes back. And he's he's clearly very much part of sort of a new wave of managers, um, and very hungry and very sort of ambitious. I don't mean that in a I mean that in a good way, as opposed to kind of the bad sense. Um, and um, seems to be really good at what he's doing. I mean, so all the signs are encouraging. I mean, I I have spoken, I've spoken to kind of people in Scotland, and he was seen as a really good thing there. And not that that's necessarily means anything. I mean, Sunderland has been a graveyard for some very very good managers and coaches over mm-hmm. the years, um, and bad ones, i.e., David Moyes. Yeah, and some and and some <laughs> bad ones. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's exposed some. That's some very average ones too, like Simon Grayson. Oh, I like Simon Grayson. Mate. Yeah, had a very respectable football league career, and we've totally thrown him off the rails. Yeah. yeah, and it's very sad. I mean, I I I liked, I loved listening to Simon Grayson because one of the things you you know, you know you got from him was the fact he really wanted to be at Sunderland yeah. and he wanted to be a success. And mm-hmm. I don't think that was a bad appointment in in those terms. No. Um, and I'm sure Jack Ross is, is sort of similar. He sees yeah. Sunderland as, as a step up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I think that's, that is an kind of important thing because I think one of the things one of the things I really hated was hearing someone like David Moyes. I mean, to be fair, Sam Allardyce did, did the same sort of stuff, but he just did it in a different he did it in a kind of more bullish and arrogant and capable way, of managing. and he also <laughs> was successful. So it was different. Whereas you, you got this feeling with David Moyes. Oh yeah, they've chased me. They've tried to get me four times before, but yeah, well, I'm here. Yeah, now I'm here. And it was sort of no, this you know this should be. I mean, I'm blinkered 
to the brilliance of north of the northeast but i want people to want to be here yeah. i mean it feels like such an obvious thing yeah but... you've got this block coming being like oh, okay you finally got me yeah, like, yeah. okay oh, i'll manage your club if you really want us to i'll take you down go yeah. on then. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as well because i think that's why people at newcastle like rafael benitez so much because even though he complains about everything it's clear that he Certainly, the well, message he, he puts across. He's, yeah. he's there for the fans. That's yeah. what he. That's the, what he projects. Well, so, so, and for me, that's again in with kind of just general sort of northeast hat on. You, you, you know, we know that this is the best part in the world. We know that we've got the best football clubs in the world, or mm. you know, whatever. Um, and you kind of want people to sort of buy into that. Uh, when Benitez came to Newcastle, the reason why that was important, it's not just this kind of CV side of it. He talked about the club in a way that even fans have stopped talking about the club. Yeah. Because he talked about stature and he talked about history and he talked about potential. And so he made people lift their heads and it's, oh, yeah, 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 we could be okay. You know, we could. And at a time when they'd been told that they can't, they couldn't compete with Southampton and they, you know, cups weren't a priority and stuff like that. This was a bloke who talked about potential and winning things. And, you know, we do that, you know, that sort of thing is important. I think there have been managers at Sunderland who've done similar things at the right, you know, I remember when Roy Keane came in and my God, he was like that electric charge under Mm. the city. And I think people from Sunderland quite often have a downer about themselves and have a downer about the club and things like that for kind of obvious reasons, the way things have gone over the past few years. And you, I mean, People need something. To, they, people need to see something, and they need to see a team that cares. They need to see people all that. But when when you have someone that comes in and reminds you, and it's sometimes quite often it's someone from outside who does it and says, "Look, you've got everything." I mean, this place has everything, and um, what it takes is a bit of confidence and people lifting your head. You know, it's a very powerful thing. I love it when that happens. Um, anyway, what what do, have you had any? Um conversations with the new ownership did you see them at the weekend uh, no again i mean i was there when um you were there first day for their first day presser and all that kind of stuff and i mean that's sort of been my limited involvement really around the place i mean they said all the right things it's the same with anything we're just gonna have to you know we'll suck it and see won't we i mean there's there but in terms of in terms of the way the team started and the way the team's been built and the manager they've got, can't knock that at the moment. Certainly can't knock the engagement, whether it's with with you or the way they're doing it on a micro level in terms of individual fans, as we saw, you know, as I saw this weekend. Um, it's been really, it's been really encouraging, and that connection, you know, that connection had been lost and. Um, you know, it's. I mean, I think people people were. You know, we'll 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 see what happens. I mean, that's the first thing to say. Yeah. We'll just have to see what happens. The, but people were kind of very sniffy about them because of the level that they've worked at before Sunderland. It's oh god, they you know non-league and Oxford United. What more mm. do they? What, how, but I actually think that sort of that attitude, if that's the right word, it might not be, but. If you're at a club like Eastleigh, you'll know sort of everybody around yeah. the club, and you'll know you know all the fans. I mean, slight exaggeration. You'll know, and you'll realise that protecting those relationships is vital to keep that club going. They've brought that sort of attitude to Sunderland, so 
someone's complained about, I don't know, whatever, where their season ticket is this season, Stuart Donald has said, okay, well, DM, DM me the details yeah. and I'll sort mm. it out. And it's like, well, it's part of you thinks, well, what the fuck is the chairman doing that for? <laughs> has he not? But it's That's- also, it's really good. And it's, 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 again, it feels like that, it's that personal sort of touch that has been lacking at the club. It's not that people at the club don't care. It's not that a lot of people at the club, you know, a lot of the club people at the club have been there for donkey's years and are great people and know exactly what the club's all about. But from the top, it's felt very, very aloof. And it's been very it's been very difficult for for supporters to look at their club and feel a connection to it because it's been shit on the pitch and it's been all you know it's been shit off the pitch. Mm. And I just I don't know. I just think it's incredible. I think having having that connection is 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 great. What do you make of his Twitter? Do you think you should keep it? Do you think you should bin it? Tied up to him. Because we we've asked him on the podcast, he says that he's not bothered by criticism. My main concern is there's an idiot who might go, you know, Stuart Donald, you're useless because we lost two 0 against yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. Well, he'll get he'll get all that. He will because that's what happens. Yeah, and, and that's one of the oh. things that I thought I was like, will he get sick? But I think it's been good. Ultimately, yeah. just really good. I don't know, Alex. What do you think on that? Well, I think you know every football club has its fans who, for want of a you know, for for want of maybe a, a a nice term, will use some less constructive criticism to have a go at something. You know, they'll. It doesn't matter what club you support. You're going to have something on social media, and that's going to be the target painted on which these fans are going to yeah. start throwing the darts at. You know, and if if that's due with Donald's Twitter, then I'm sure he's very much aware of that. You know, we, um, no doubt there'll be a game. There'll be at least one game this season where we'll play disappointing. You know, we, we could we could lose. 2-1 to Fleetwood at home and I'm sure oh, there'll be a few that. people that's like next month yeah there'll be a few people <laughs> pipe up and just go oh Stuart you're, you've, you've not done this you bloody FNC or whatever you know and so that's it, what I should have done earlier shouldn't I yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, see, as opposed yeah. to actually spelling the word out which is why yeah which in, in no way senses <laughs> the word itself no, well but there, no. there you go but no, I mean they could be an illiterate child listening Learn something new every day. What are you going to do yeah Stuart's going to be very much aware of that you know he's going to be aware that you know, representing the club on social media will effectively make you a target. And I think, as you say, George, it's entirely up to him. You know, I think really all he wants to do is bridge that gap between the fans and the club. You know, he's a really decent bloke. I just don't think he can do any wrong for me. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for him to keep his... That's direct. Con- I mean, that is the beauty and the horrible thing about social media is that absolute immediate direct yeah. mm-hmm. contact. So, you know... If you you know if you want to say something to someone, you can say it directly to them yeah. and all that. Anyone um, can say anything to anyone if they want to. You know, yeah. If, if, yeah. if Kanye West yeah. really wants to, he could say hi to us. You know, <laughs> yeah. he could Fingers do crossed. that. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. that's all I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah. but it's he's but he's used it. You know, he's used it to sort of uh, almost as a you know as a not not as a way to kind of run the club, but it's a direct line, isn't it? It's a direct line yeah. and he sorted stuff out and he's dealt with people. And I, you know, I saw a little bit of that over the weekend in a very, very kind of nice, poignant way. He's done something which will, you know, live live with those people for forever and live with that family forever. And he's, he's taken t- some time out of his day to sort of, to do that. And I don't know, I just think it's nice. You can't criticize that. No. Right. I am going to draw on a, two negatives from the then. game at the weekend. So surprised you found two. I did. Well, first things first. Following what you are. Uh, Baldwin had a, a a rough challenge, to say the least, at nil-nil. Could have been a penalty. Uh, I thought it was a penalty. So an area of concern there, we could have actually been one nil down. 
how could they have reacted to that, Alex? I don't know. But what what do you make of the a the the refereeing decision? Was it right or wrong? And b you know where would it have went from there? Would it have been like the Charlton game? Yeah, to be fair, I think the referee probably got it wrong. I think from where I was sitting, it looked like a penalty. You know, I, I saw sort of. Baldwin just go in, you know, half Baldwin, shoulder the bu- bulldozer. Yeah, half shoulder barge, half, half head butted the Scunthorpe player, and he went down. <laughs> I want that in. I want that from a League One team. Yeah, you do, yeah, half. not one of the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing yeah. people yeah, kicking the yeah, ball out. Like absolute bruiser. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, maybe it's not a League One penalty. Maybe I'm just. Yeah, maybe that's just commonplace in League One. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. I mean, if he if he broke a rib or something, that's a penalty. You know, I mean, yeah. come on, we're not monsters here. But no, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, but yeah, assuming that normal football league rules apply, that is a penalty, and I think the referee did get that wrong. But I think even if the the they got it and they scored it, I, I I think we would have won still. I just think based on what I've seen from that Sunderland team, based on just the sheer quality we had on the pitch, we would have beat them regardless. I I think. I mean, Scunthorpe just didn't look good. You know, we made them look like absolute rank amateurs at times. Some of the players we had, you know, Gooch was skinning everyone that he came within, you know, a yard of Oviedo, like I've said before, could pick anything out with a pass. He could, you know, sorted it, sorted out all the Scunthorpe players who were coming to and from him. You know, Max Power in the middle. Max Power. Max Power. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Sorry. It was, yeah, well, yeah, you know, you've got to be, got to be on your... What you've done there, Alex, which I like, is you've yeah. turned a negative into a positive. Yeah. And I'm going to carry carry that on mm-hmm. before you do your second negative. <laughs> yeah, right. keep them at bay. How, how pleasurable is it to see a Sunderland goalkeeper who doesn't have pasties for fingers? He's correct. Yeah. That's a definite positive. See, I don't know if John McLaughlin is a good keeper or he's an average keeper. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. He's got like he's got four limbs. Yeah, um, hey, he's been tremendous. He, it took he can... a, when did we get a clean sheet last year? It took a vote November December before we got one yeah. last year. So, so I that feel was, like that was pleasant. Yeah. Every time that we say now because we're in League One, every time we say that a player is good, we seem to qualify the statement by saying at this level. But yeah. hey, you know, John McLaughlin at this level is is being fantastic, and long may that continue. I, I'm sure in the Championship he'd he'd be a, a very good keeper as well, or at least a competent one. Which is more than we could say last season. Okay, second negative. Uh, mm. George, I'm going to throw this at you because oh, you don't no. actually watch with that often. Yeah. But what did you make of the playing it out from the back? Because I thought at times it was a bit kamikaze. There was a few times they nearly got caught and they did get caught and didn't get punished. Yeah, but I suppose. Well, I mean, I know what you mean, and I'm now that I can kind of replay that back, and I can you can think of a couple of passages where they were cl- where the, where the players were closed down through the ball to the centre half, of the full back, and they got kind of closed down. It's with you see that happen at whatever level if you're watching Man City there'll be games when the same thing happens to them but they carry on doing it and they carry on doing it and they carry on doing it and it becomes ingrained and if you're good enough then the theory is that you know you'll It'll be fine you'll beat that press but you know if that's if that's what it is um and I suppose again to turn that negative into a positive it's a very positive way of playing it's about bravery, and I thought I thought Sunderland were very brave. It's a it's a it's incredibly new team. It's a new team. It's a new manager, and we, you know, that was the third third league game. So, you know, I think you are nitpicking because that's it's a three 0 win. I've got and, to find something. No, and that's yeah. fine. No, and but and yeah, um, would they have been could could they have been caught out? Yeah, I suppose so. But um, but I like I I I loved watching them play. And I'm going to throw one final thing about the game. Actually, two. Firstly, Scunthorpe, were they really dirty or was that just my eyes? Was that me just being rose-tinted Sunderland? Um, Second half in particular. Felt like they just decided to start kicking them when they knew they weren't going to get it. Well, I mean, 
that physicality is going to be a fact of life yeah. in League One. I mean, it really is. So Sunderland had better get used to that. But I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't notice that. But I mean, to be honest, in the second half, I've always got my head down and I'm, I'm kind of writing. So it's sort of, it's kind of a bad admission. But I was, I was too busy working to actually watch <laughs> the game. I was too busy writing about the game to watch it. Yeah. Well, at least you got that beauty for a journalist that when nothing happens in the second half, you can... yeah, I just kept my head down. It's yeah. per- that, that is the perfect game for a journalist. Yeah, you get everything, <laughs> Three all the storylines. Done. I didn't really write about the game anyway, so that's I was slightly cheating. But that is the per- no journalist wants a three-all draw or the four-three. Nobody wants that. Three and nine. perfect. I think I think that's everything I had. We've got a few Twitter questions. Uh, firstly, you met Bob Murray recently, George. Yes. First thing I'll say is, do you think it's possible he would come on this podcast? Because Ooh. I really want him on this podcast. Yeah, but I don't see why. I I think he would be good. Yeah. yeah well, I be, I've, I've seen him at a talking. And he was really good, really good value, lots yeah. of good stories. Yeah. So I personally would love, because I don't think his time at Sunderland has been like that well documented from his perspective since he left in well, a lot I, of ways. And I, I, I reported on the club for a, long, a lot of the time that he was there and he, he got a lot of stick. And um, I mean, some of everything has its own context and the time. And obviously one of the big things at the time was investment and investment in the team and things like that. Um, but when you take a step back. You see everything. And see everything. And how easy would it have been to invest in the team when the stadium was being done? You know, we've seen the spasms that other kind of clubs have gone through when they've moved stadiums or, you know, whether it's top, I mean, admittedly, it's a different ball game in terms of money now, but you look at the legacy that he's left in terms of the training ground, the stadium, and now the new beacon, I will say, so the reason I kind of, the reason I wanted to, to sort of do something with him was A, to kind of mark the opening of the beacon uh, and also to do a positive, you know, a positive Sunderland story about how football can sort of change lives for the better. And the I'd recommend anybody listening to go at the Beacon. Um, it is a, I mean, it's a stunning building from the outside, got a square shape and all that kind of stuff. The facilities inside are extraordinary. The public can go in; they're very welcome. There's a little cafe in there, um, and you know, in I don't know if it's fully open yet, but people will be able to hire out five-a-side courts. Got three G courts, four G on the roof, four yeah. uh, G pitch on the on the roof. Yeah, and it's going to there's there's a educational segment, there's a workplace segment, there's a sort of health, well-being segment, and I think it's quite difficult to think about the foundation, any football club's foundation, because it feels like a very amorphous thing is that the right phrase I, it, you know it's like well what is it I mean I know they're doing good things but the fact it's got its own building to be the hub for all this is brilliant because it separates it from the club because, as well yeah because as soon as you as soon as you walk in you think oh my god and it's I, I'll get the stats wrong but I think it's something like it'll touch 250,000 lives a year somewhere for somewhere like Sunderland it's a brilliant facility that will that will make lives better. Anyway, so yes, I, I, I wanted to talk to Bob about that. He was very interesting. On the subject of of, of kind of previous regimes, he was he was very hurt because he'd effectively been told he wasn't welcome at the club. Which is weird because he was life president, isn't he? <laughs> he is life president and he wasn't well. I mean, he, I mean, so I haven't heard it from the other side, but um, the club didn't pay a penny towards the, towards the beacon. Um, so they had to find completely sort of out, outside funding. Um, I mean, they get benefits in kind from the club because obviously players will support it yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But um, but at a short, yeah, at a short, told him that he wasn't welcome. Bob says so. 
um he feels like a kind of clouds lifted and yeah i think it's time to reevaluate reevaluate his everything that he he's done he's done at the club i mean the fact that you know even now 20 years 21 years after the stadium opened um they have such great facilities it's all know, him and it's really all him is the foundations he, were all there by him yeah yeah does yeah. he has he been at the games this year has he been going so, does he actually live up here still uh york so he's basically he's not so not far away and he's he's um chump god what is he chancellor of york university or something like that so he was yeah he doling is, out degrees is, yeah. and things like that well one of the one 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 of the universities in New York, I should say. Um, so he's not far away, but he hasn't felt like he hasn't felt welcome. But I know he's met the new owners, and I know that they were very, very keen to re-establish links with the foundation. And it should be—I mean—that should be an umbilical link between the club and the foundation. Mm. Um, Sunderland's foundation has always had a really good reputation, um, sort of in the game. But I mean, I, this. The new building takes it to a new, to a new, uh, new dimension. So, um, yeah, you should you should ask him, uh, Alex. I know that you have to leave in about five minutes. So I will actually, throw... I don't leave until twenty five past. So, so be good. All right, okay. Well, I was going to throw a final question at you, and then I was going to finish up the questions we've got for George. Oh, we just yeah, we'll just hope for the best. You just leave when you leave. Sure. Okay. Have you got well, something more important to do? Uh, yeah, someone's just come up in the, like literally in the past like ten minutes or so. Right. So I'll he's got a shoot better off podcast to attend. Wow, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm off to <laughs> off to Wise Men's Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'm off to True Faith <laughs> after that. <laughs> Bit of True Faith podcast, which you've done as well. I have. Well, you know, he gives us a lot of stick, does he, Michael? Well, actually, he doesn't. He gives Sunderland fans stick. Yeah, a lot. He does. Yeah, he's a funny one, Michael. Well, do you, do you, is he doing it on purpose, or do you think he is? Uh, I mean, I don't well, want... he's, well, he's not doing it by accident. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get you in like a slagging off. <laughs> no, he's my he's my mate. But I mean, I but I would say the same thing about you. <laughs> I would say the same thing about this. Then makes. I mean, I don't. So this is my part of the world. But all that kind of crap just washes over me, and I would. Yeah. I wish it didn't exist. I realise it's such a huge part of our identity. It's never been part of my identity, and I don't. And I've sort of. I don't, I mean, so like, for example, people taking the piss out of someone for being in League One, whatever. So more, more of the, when I, I went to the protest outside Sports Direct that Newcastle fans did before that, and loads, I mean, the people that were kind of saying this is stupid were Sunderland fans. So I spent a lot of time talking to, and it was factually Gareth from Wise Men's who came up with the phrase shop shouters, which I've used in print because I love it. It's very funny. <laughs> but, um, and you sort of have this conversation. So you, you're trying to sort of explain the Newcastle context to Sunderland, and it's just like there's no, there's just zero empathy. And you do the same thing between, you know, yeah. do, do you try and explain. So it's like, so I wrote that piece today, and you know, it's mainly about <laughs> Stuart Donald visiting Jane and blah blah blah. Anyway, you know. I, I'm yeah. sure the Newcastle fan hadn't read it, but he just said, yeah. oh, I hope it, you're enjoying League One or whatever. I mean, it's like... Yeah. It's not in the nature of the two clubs to want to sort of empathise and no, by extension no, get on. You know, it's like, oh, well, our owner's got a moral compass. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> well... I mean, it's 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 sort of... I was actually thinking about this on the way over. It's like, there is that... 
I mean, really, the only thing that's different is the colour of the stripes. And I mean, I know that's glossing over. I know that's glossing over a lot of history, but you know, in terms of our geography, in terms of our economy, in terms of history of heavy industry, in terms of being mismanaged, in terms of two relegations each yeah. in the past, there is decade, a lot. Of, there is a lot in common. In terms there of is. the teams not being very, not representing the support, in terms of all those things, you know. That they're all in com- common, but if you have a, if you particularly on Twitter, if you have like a Twitter debate, it's like mm, never yeah. the twain shall meet. No. It's hilarious. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot with this question. It's not actually oh. a question sent, right? Do you think that Newcastle fans would take the position that we're in to get rid of Mike Ashley and bring in somebody who would represent their ideal owner, like what we feel like we've got now? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Well, I don't know, and I can't speak. I can't sort of speak on behalf of them. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, you know, a lot of Newcastle fans, the same way as a lot of Sunderland fans over the years, the, you know, want to go to the match, and that's what it's about. I mean, so would they take going down two divisions and what that entails? I don't know. Probably not. It's, it's it's difficult. I mean, it is. It's it's very difficult. I know. I mean, I know some people definitely would say that, but I think championship. Probably and League One a categorical no. If I was going to yeah, and if I was, if I was going to bet on it yeah, and and go, I mean again the same thing I said about Sunderland earlier. Going down to the Championship for Newcastle was a, was really good. Mm. I mean it was it was a Carlsberg relegation. It was yeah. you know you went down with Benitez and they went down with momentum, which is sort of mm. unheard of, and it reminded people that losing every season isn't very good, and winning every week. Not bad. Yeah. And so that kind of refreshing of the kind of attitude is was good. But obviously they've they've come back up with the same ownership and as we've seen this summer, not not much has not much has changed. Whether they would take that, I don't mm, I don't know. Okay. Championship, I would say yes. We'll switch over. Uh, I'll throw this one to Alex since you are see more of Sunderland than George. Uh Josh Madge's place in the side has gone unchallenged ever since preseason began. Yep. With Wyke soon returning. How does Ross handle that? And I suppose he'll also have Sinclair returning as well. Yeah, yeah. You've got a lot coming back under the fold, haven't you? Um, Can you drop Madge? Can you drop Madge? Uh I think it's very. I, I think you have to try very, very hard to make a case for dropping a striker who's scored three in three games. You know, who's got a goal a game. If, if a striker's on form, you don't just take him out. You know, just to give another lad a chance. I, I don't think that's a justifiable reason at all. It, it is a lovely problem to have, really, isn't it? You know, you know. Oh, which of our you know really good strikers should we play? You know, we can't play them all at once. Like, oh no, we have too many good players. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's amazing how you know how how problems just suddenly change. In you know completely fundamentally, but yeah, no, I don't think you can drop Magic on his current form. No, I think if White and Sinclair are coming back, I think while he's knocking them in every week, if he keeps doing that, they'll have to stay on the bench if we are just going to play the one striker, because you you absolutely cannot take off a striker who's no. scoring every scoring every week in uh, every game. As you said, unchallenged. I mean, so looking at the you know looking at the subs yesterday. Yeah. Those are two big players to kind of come back into the squad and once they're on the bench they will be challenging him and if he doesn't do it for a week then you can take him out. Yeah. I mean, but that's what you want. Mm. That's absolutely what you want. Yeah, you want, you want that competitive environment yeah. on the training ground. You know, yeah, like he, Magic has to know that if we play one striker every game he has to know that he has to keep scoring to consolidate that place. You know, Wyke and Sinclair will be, will be breathing down his neck to get his spot and that, that that's good for the team. You know, that keeps them all yeah. raring to go. They all want, they'll all want to be a part of a team that's hopefully steamrolling an entire league. 
you know, they're all going to want, want to be a part of that. You know, if if nothing else, it's it's a hell of a season to have on your CV, and it's just it's just great for their careers. Yeah, I think I think too. It means we'll not be rushing players back. How many times have we seen it before? What yeah. more last year? Yeah, rushing back. Now we're going to be in a position where McGeoch doesn't have to come back in until he's ready. Mm. Wyke the same. Sinclair the same. List other injured players. We've got about nine of them. Yeah. Actually, speaking of strikers and what more, I'm very aware that I'm 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 quite conscious of how little time I've got left in this in the studio. Well, you're taking more time by telling me how much little time. That is true. Yeah. So I'll get straight <laughs> to the point. What more when he comes back? Um, whether I think we might be in a position with him where we might have to consider making him our fourth striker because, given the fact that he's done the same, he's, he's done the same cruciate ligament twice now. You know, that's an injury that could. He's not going to be quick, is he? No, no, it, it, that that's good. That that is probably going to to detract from you know whatever his top speed was before, and you know as a winger who thrived on really just sort of like cutting in and just breezing past the opponent. If he can't do that anymore, he'll have to reinvent his game to base it around one of his other attributes because chances are he won't have the pace anymore so I don't know I mean I mean I, I, don't, I don't know what you think but I, I could personally see him reinvent himself as a poacher I know in his earlier in his earlier days we know with, with Altringham and at his earlier his earliest times with Sunderland he did play as a striker I mean I don't know that that's what I'm thinking fair enough do you need a set off Alex I, I do I do okay well, it was good seeing you, George. We'll finish up these questions and then sure thing. we'll yeah, okay. run away as well. So thanks for coming around, Alex. I'll turn your microphone off. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> right, George, we've got a few questions to go here. Ta-da. So here's a question. What do you make of the approach the new owners have taken with regards to fanzines? Sharing their time essentially with news, updates. Is it good or bad for the local media, for the national media, for fans? I mean, a lot of... I think it's been, no. I think it's been brilliant. I mean, what the what the local papers think of it. Well, I we can't. had Phil Smith on last week, and he said that he likes it. Yeah, and I think he's got. I think they've got a good relationship with him as well. Yeah. I mean, it change. I mean, it clearly it sort of changes. You know, changes things. But then, you know, so I think you know, back in the day, the only way a journalist would hear from people would be if you either meet them in the street or. But they probably wouldn't recognise you um, or send letters in. I mean, that's you know, when I started, it was people sending letters in. Now I can put something, you know, I can post my article on yeah. Twitter and within three seconds I'm getting called a twat, <laughs> uh, which happens. Which or you get called, happen- called brilliant, or which brilliant. happens yeah, more or often brilliant. You not. kind of tend to remember the twat one. Yeah, but, I do the same thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, so our, the relationship with all that's changed. And then we were almost media, we're kind of old media, we're kind of like the gatekeepers to the to the kind of club. And I mean, I think I think we still have a role. Um, I think we still have a kind of role in all that kind of stuff. And what's happening here is has been unusual. Um, but I've loved it. I mean, I I can't. I don't think if you're in the sort of communication business, uh, which which we are, I don't think we can complain about communication, and certainly can't complain about it at Sunderland, where that's been a big issue over the over the years. You know, the kind of lack of it. It makes things clear for all of us. It makes things clear for you. It makes things clear for the listeners. It makes things clear for us listening to it. I've enjoyed listening to it. Um, I think it's, you know, I think it's really good. I mean, I suppose if someone were in the Premier League and it was like this and I was covering, you know, covering the, the team every week, I might feel jealous a little bit. Mm. But I mean, I don't mean, I mean, I mean yeah. that in a kind of nice way. Um 
But, but do, you, do you think they can maintain this when they're in the Premier League? Because, I mean, it's sort of uncharted ground anyway, because I don't know of any club where the owners do interact well, with the fans as much. I hope that it's, I mean, you, it, you hope it's the start of something and then it carries on and, and that it becomes ingrained. Now, clearly, the difference between League One, Championship, Premier League, in terms of, you know, in terms of sort of scrutiny and in terms of demands on time become, ex- I mean, extraordinary yeah so would it be sustainable possibly not as frequent and you know suddenly if suddenly in the in the premier league his twitter feed is absolutely engulfed and swarmed i mean i I know he's got like a locked locked account doesn't he at the moment private private account yeah sorry private account so does that you know how do you sort of deal with that i mean it becomes a different thing but no i think they've set the tone and i think i'm sure they'll carry on and you know Fair play to them. I mean, it's been it's been eye opening. You know, there were times sometimes where you kind of wince a tiny little bit, but that's only because they're being open, yeah. And we're used to it not being open, so we can't have it both ways. I think it's no. I think it's been great. Is it a challenge to media? I don't think it's a challenge to media on purpose. I think it's. Re- I mean, so from my perspective, I'm not going to go to very many press conferences. I'm not going to go to very many matches. I wish I was, but I'm not. I'll get sent elsewhere. So I think it's I think it's really good that the club are taking the chance taking the opportunity to speak directly to people. That why do it with you not on the official club website? Well, because it's going to be much more unfiltered here. Yeah. It's going to be real here. It's that's not having a go at the club website, but it's going to be, you know, they're not going to control what you're going to ask them, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so it's probably a challenge to the club in some ways. They're probably challenging their own club and the ethos of their own club. Can't complain about it. Quite the opposite. Uh, Craig B asks, uh, oh, quite a strong question here. Can we go an entire league season unbeaten? And what would be the market value of Josh Madger if he keeps scoring goals at this current rate? Well, those are two... Impossible questions. Yeah. I mean, they can theoretically go the season. Well, they can. And that is possible. It is possible. It has been done. It's probably not going to League one. I wonder when that was last done in league one. I don't think it's ever been done. If I'm going to guess, I would say never in any championship league one. I cannot think. I cannot think. I mean, it's so, I mean, I'm going to say no to that one because I don't think that's going to happen. And it's a, and it is brutal. I've seen enough of it or I've been, I mean, one of the kind of things I love doing and that I've kind of been doing more and more of is going around the country and sort of, trying to find small stories and give them a bit of space and things like that. So, for example, I went down to Accrington last season, now in League One. That is, if you, if Sunderland fans can get on that trip, that'll be incredible. I think you can get about 1,300 for that one. Well, that would be amazing. That would be, I mean, when I was there last season, there was just almost nothing there. And I'd, I was down to interview one of their players, Billy Key, who has suffered from depression. He's a really nice lad. Uh, big burly centre forward. It'd be great to see how Sunderland centre halves deal with that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I arrived there that day, and they'd had a bit of storm damage, and there was this old fella on top of the club shop nailing bits of tarpaulin back on or whatever felt on the roof, whatever he was doing. And he was seventy-one year- years old, and he was one of the club directors. And he said, "Yeah, hey, I bet you don't get." Bobby Charlton doing this at Man United and it was just brilliant and it was like brilliant um, but Sunderland will get you know they'll have experiences 
like that, which is A, fantastic to be at, but, I mean, there'll be some brutal days this season. There just has to be. Do you remember seeing the the, fa- the video of the fans at Wigan donkeys years ago where they were sliding down the the away end at Springfield Park? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there'll be plenty of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, a whole season unbeaten. Three games in. I'm not going to make that prediction. And no. same with Madger. You know, he, what we've seen so far has been great, but... You never know, do you? I think Mumba's know. probably the one who's going to go for a fortune if anyone is. I mean, it's 16-year-old that we play in, in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a question here, sort of linking back to Newcastle United. Uh, so you cover Newcastle United a fair bit, but it were, but you're obviously at the game on Sunday. What sort of feeling do you get from being around the ground at both clubs on a match day, and how is it different? Or is it different? Well, so over the past few years, I mean, it's been it's been uniformly negative here. I mean, I suppose my you know the match day experience. One hundred percent. Oh, I so, can vouch for that. So I'm just universally negative. I mean, it, well, no, yeah, it, no it, that's pretty, fair. it pretty it much has. I mean, <laughs> it it, was but, you know, I was, I was I was I went I was going back to look at, you know, so three league wins last season at home three the year before in the Premier League and I think it was six the year before five the year and it's you know I mean it's what else can you say I mean it's like it's not been good yeah Um, at Newcastle more recently there's been that feeling it's like there's this feeling of real frustration because on the one hand they've got Benitez as manager and there's huge amount of love for him inside the stadium but there is that and there is that knowledge that for as long as he's there the team will get better. But kind of almost bigger than that, looming over that is the fact that as long as Ashley is in charge of the club, the club won't improve. So you've got those two big dynamics. There's real, oh God, we've got, we're so close to something, but frustration on top of it. So, I mean, it's not, it's not sort of exactly the same, but there are, I mean, I suppose then you take even further steps back. There's that feeling, why is this, why aren't these places you know why? Why aren't I watching two teams at the top of the yeah. Premier League? You know, I know. at one but, point it looked like it might happen in yeah. the early two thousands. Didn't yeah, didn't yeah. quite yeah. move yeah. out. Uh, Graham Field asks, "What is the general view from people you've spoken to nationally about where we'll finish in the league this season?" Finish in the league? I, well, I suppose That's talk, to be champions, doesn't it? From our my perspective, is anything less than winning, it's a failure. I suppose. Although, if I rewind to a, to a year ago when talking about you know talking about Sunderland what might happen you think okay well this could be you know this could be the making of the club it could be the making of the team have that refresh blah 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 I think when people from the outside see the team go down twice there is that feeling that there's just a trap door open beneath the club so you know when I go down and interview people elsewhere around the country and talk to them and say where I'm from people will always say blimey Newcastle what's going on there and then they'll say Sunderland, that's a real shame and that's a real pity. So, but you always, I mean, in terms of where the team will finish, I don't know, because it's just, it feels like, I think it's, I think for everybody, it's felt like such a sort of step into the unknown. As I said earlier, new owner, new chairman, 12 yeah. new players, whole, everything's new. So I kind of almost, you know, you just want to sort of take a step back and do it game by game. And I know that, you know, that old, old thing and just enjoy, enjoy this feeling and hope it lasts. There's another question uh, from Tony Heisen, kind of similar. Uh, have you spoke to any other club chairman, managers, players about Sunderland this season, and what's the general consensus? No, I mean not spe- not specifically. Um, yeah, I've been fishing. I'll go. 
What do you think of Sunderland? No, no, because <laughs> it's a call. if I'm talking to them, I'll be talking to them about their. I mean, I'll be talking to them more about their their clubs. I mean, I've, I'm going to be doing something regularly with Notts County this this season, and was down last week. And Kevin Nolan, Kevin Nolan's the manager, yeah. and um, obviously played for played for Newcastle, but. Um, they got hammered, didn't they? They lost 4-0. Yeah. yeah which is, no, I, I tend to take that. Was that the, on midweek? No, no, on Friday night. Oh, it was Friday, Friday night, night, wasn't it? I, yeah. thought, I thought it was. Favourites for promotion, I'll start watching them. Yep. Haven't won Opposite. a game this season. Well, we don't come back. But, but um, yeah, they, um, and he, you know, he mentioned, it's like, what's happened there? There was that feeling, what's happened? I mean, what's happened? And, you know, I, I keep in touch with Martin, Martin O'Neill, uh, things like that. He always wants to talk about Sunderland. He always wants to gossip about Sunderland. That's something that's, Stayed with him, you know. It's the one that I wish happened. It burns. Worked. It burns him. What's happened? It absolutely burns him. What do you mean? What happened to him, or what's happened since? Uh, no. Well, what happened to him? What happened to him? I mean, and what happened to him, and the fact it was he had that real. Well, he didn't do his. He didn't do enough research. He's an incredibly diligent bloke. Probably too too much. He deliberates over everything um, in terms of taking jobs and signing players and things like that. Um, it's the one that really hurts because he had that kind of real personal connection to the club and it's his only failure isn't it as well pretty much yeah pretty much yeah it is it, does, it is I remember when he took the job I was like yeah he is a Sunderland manager I've always thought that Martin O'Neill was a Sunderland manager yeah. and same with David Moyes actually I always thought David Moyes was but Martin O'Neill in particular and when it didn't work well, it was so sad that it was like you yeah and it ended by the end of it it you know it was like I think he'd Never, I would never say given up. I don't think that, but he'd realised that working with the, I mean, he'd met, he'd been taken to meet. He described it to me at the time as oh, some Italians that Ellis wanted me to meet, and it was Defanti and people like that. And it was like, what does, what's he going to make of people like you know? What is he? And have a sense of is this sustainable? What's happening at this football club and things like that? You'd look at kind of wrong steps and wrong forks in the road that the club, you know, club sort of took. I mean, I think the way the club was back then, anybody would have struggled to kind of thrive in those conditions. But yeah, it hurts. It really, it really hurts him what's happened and the fact he wasn't able to, he, he wasn't able to sort of deliver what he, what he wanted. I mean, I remember his first press conference, he was like, I mean, he was being asked, um, you know, what kind of football do you want to play? And he talked about Barcelona. I mean, and it wasn't that. And it definitely wasn't that. Yeah. It's, it is upsetting. I mean, I suppose, what? why did Sam Allardyce work? Why was Sam Allardyce the only one during this Ellis Short year? Well, certainly since Steve Bruce left, the only one who really got it right. What was? What do you think he did differently or how did he get by the what was a calamitous ownership? How did, how did that work? Well, so I suppose we have to think it worked, but in that very limited time frame. So he came in when the team was in the shit. He was, he was likely to go, wasn't he, that summer? If we're being honest, he probably I think he wasn't was. going to yeah, stay. Yeah. And, well, the sad thing, I mean, we look back and say that was a turning point because there was real momentum behind the club. But what was happening behind the scenes, I'm not sure that's true. And he was, many fact, he said in public, whatever it was, my yeah. patience is wearing thin or whatever it was. And he left, Moyes came in, short put the club up for sale. So, and didn't Moyes hadn't known, had he? And so... Again, would would Sam have? I mean, would they have gone down under Sam? I don't think they would. No, but um, he wouldn't have stayed. But I mean, that's he's easy. But, I, but, but, but I mean, I think things were going badly wrong behind mm-hmm. the scenes already. 
How did how did well? He had a brilliant window, didn't he? I mean, that was the yeah. one time over the Premier League, sort of over those Premier League years. You look at the players that came in, and every every one of them worked. And he he probably one of the best January transfer windows probably ever from any yeah. team. It was perfect, wasn't Kershaw, it? Kershaw, and Kone, Kone, yeah. Go and on. then it's it's weird about you know you look at how their careers have gone have gone. I mean, you know, Kone looks so good and. Yeah, you got a tune. You got a tune out of them, and he's a manager who get who gets who gets that sort of little little kind of percentage improvements. He brought in. I mean, I, I was very lucky. I managed. I, I sort of did a couple of things with him behind the scenes and saw them. You know, surrounded himself by those staff. But he has that. He has that kind of reputation as old school, bluff, arrogant. Sort of, you know, there's bits of unpleasantness. Um, I'm laughing because it's kind of quite funny, but. Um, but he surrounds himself with people who are better at their jobs than he would be at their jobs, if you yeah. know what I mean. So he doesn't want yes men. Very creaky, chair. I know. Um, he wants people, he wants experts who know their stuff. And that's kind of very admirable and quite rare. I mean, maybe it's not rare, but it's kind of quite admirable. I always felt that Allardyce was always, it felt more professional in, in a lot of ways. Like the, they had the, oh, I forgot what they're called, like the ice sort of, the yes, freezing I had to cold go with that. Jamers. Yeah. I remember you doing. Did you mm. do it with default? No, I just I mentioned the fact that he'd sort of done it or whatever. But yeah, and I had to go with that. How was it? It's fucking cold. Really cold. <laughs> yeah, really, really cold. <laughs> really really cold. cold. That was the thing that stood out for me. It was yeah. really cold. The coldness. Really Fair cold. Uh, the final ones here is if somebody's asked. I don't know how much you know about uh, Stuart Donald, Charlie Methven, and Juan Satori. I'll ask you bluntly. Do you know much about them? No. Okay, so asking you what you think the strengths and positive ca- characteristics are of each would probably be a, a difficult one to answer. But I will throw you Stuart Donald because you probably have seen a lot. What yep. do you think his strengths are, the positives that he has, and even the negatives? Are? Well, I mean, I'll probably just repeat myself, really. I mean, I think the the big strength is that he's not Ella Short. That's a big is, strength. Which is a, which is a statement of the obvious, but the club was desperate for something new um, and for a bit of enthusiasm for a bit of vision um, and to take a different path and they've done that so and he's done that so um, and again the communication I think has been excellent the engagement has been excellent um, and you know we can't can't kind of complain about any of that and as I said earlier I think the fact I, I, I think the experience of of kind of lower league football was seen almost as a negative when they took over or was certainly certainly was from some quarters will they have enough money will they you know will they be overwhelmed by Sunderland Sunderland has to think of itself as a league one club now I mean you look at stadium number of fans training ground all that kind of stuff it's not a league you know but Sunderland will wish its life away if it just keeps thinking oh you should be in the Premier League they have to focus absolutely on where they are and deal with it and so far, so good. And they've got, you know, they've got, as I say, they've hired a manager who is seen as a really good thing. Um, you know, great kind of feedback everywhere. And maybe maybe you would be able to kind of talk about the negatives a bit more because, I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen much of it, but... Uh, negatives so far? It's hard to really pick up. I think one of the things that they did say was early on, after they said on this podcast, that they had a 14 million budget, which I think got misconstrued as people thought it was a transfer budget right sometimes there's been a lack of clarification a lot of people have been asking about sort of financial things and I don't know if that's their lack of clarity or people's suspectness on it I don't know but ultimately I, I think it's been 
Yeah, good. and you know the money. The, 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 the money side of it is Sunderland are in an absolutely different ball game now. I mean, they but they they had they had a they had a billionaire and it didn't work. He wasn't interested. Yeah. So it's one of the the things I always have with my Newcastle supporting family and friends is I don't know why you necessarily want money. It's it's not the answer. Always look at Burnley. You know, our Newcastle or our any team that isn't in the big six going to actually be able to compete with the big six? The answer is probably no. No. I will I'll answer that so directly about the Newcastle thing. Is it all about money? No. But about everything else. But if Mike Ashley says in a direct quote, Rafa will have every penny that this club generates this summer that was minus 18 million which is clearly bullshit unless the club made a loss well unless the club made a loss but they didn't make a loss on transfers and if it's every money the, if it's every penny yeah, the club I'm generates sure. I don't know what Newcastle's finan- I'll be totally honest I don't know what their financial situation no. is I do but, find that I don't want to spend sort of some of the podcast talking about no. it but I do find the situation interesting um, yeah at Newcastle because obviously we had a similar situation and one thing I would say is admirable is that they have managed to organise a protest, whether or not you agree or disagree yeah. with it, they have done it, whereas we sort of had, I think it, the situation at Sunderland was far worse, and for that reason we had apathy. Yeah. And I think that's something that, yeah. from my perspective, is the Sunderland fans almost didn't act, but that's because I don't think it's in our nature necessarily, you know, protest, we're just... I think Newcastle fans are a bit more like that. They are a bit There's more volatile. There's maybe a bit more of it, but if you're... I mean, really, both clubs are terrible at it. I mean, and I think, you know, if you compare sort of what's happened or if you compare what happened at places like Liverpool and 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 the Spirit of Shankly sort of stuff and then the anti-Glazer stuff at Manchester United, there's a much greater sense of militancy at other in other yeah. clubs at other parts of the world. Now... Why is that? I don't really know. I think part of it is because I think the the loyalty thing feels like, to me, that feels like the thing. There is this thing about you turn up, you support the lads, mm-hmm. you sing. And so the idea of then protesting is quite yeah. difficult to get your head around. And, you know, you will get a lot of, you'll get kind of a surprising amount of people who'll sort of say, look, I just want to go there on a Saturday. I want to be there with my mates and I want to watch the team. And that's... I mean that's the end of it and so you get kind of a lot of people like that I mean I wish that both sets that both fan bases were more militant because when you when you if you think about you know if you think about the noise inside the stadium of light on a good day and I'm so I suppose I'm talking about a long time ago now when it was full and noisy there's never been anywhere more hostile than that than I've experienced. I mean, really hostile. Oh, but are you talking Peter Reid? Yeah, yeah, I mean, genuinely hostile. Same thing at Newcastle on a good day, even now when, you know, when things are good, you know, whatever, when it's a good day, it feels like a force of nature kind of place. Both both sets of fans have that in their armoury. I mean, it's, I want to watch football. I mean, I wouldn't want to watch football anywhere else on those days. Mm-hmm. Um but there's been that there has been that kind of reticence to protest. There have been obviously, I think Sunderland fans were very slow to sort of anti yellow short chance and but again, I think that's because people gave him the benefit of the doubt and they always yeah. wanted to believe that he was doing stuff in the I right did. interests of the club and he was just misguided. And um I still actually believe that he did have the interest of the club at his heart. 
he might have done, but there's only so much you can. Oh yeah, there's only kind of so much you can forgive, and I think I think that moment went a long kind of a long time ago, and I'm just really I'm really pleased he's gone. I mean, I have to say I'm pleased he's gone. There were too many little nicks to the club's prestige and what it stood for, and I become very misty eyed when I'm talking about things like that. Um, But the club had lost sight of what it was, what it was, and why it was founded, and the history and and things like that and people had forgotten how to be proud about Sunderland and you know it's and it's similar at Newcastle Newcastle I think are seen are seen as uh, Newcastle fans are seen as revolting that gives you a chance to come in with a little punchline there Newcastle fans are revolting well, they are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, needs a, needs a I'm missing the song. I was like, I they, don't know. No, so, the so that revolt. they revolt, you know, that they, there's, there's always this permanent state of revolt there, but there isn't really. But on the, on the, I mean, there isn't at all, but on those occasions when it's been really noisy, it's very powerful. It just doesn't last. People get it out of the system, then it's gone. I think there's now, it feels like there's a bit more of a sea change against that. And I wish the Magpie group and the rest of them well, because, I will never ever criticize fans for standing up for their club and for for wanting better from outside of the region and probably between some of the Newcastle fans that gets seen as expect you know what gives you the right or whatever yeah. but both sets of supporters warrant better than they've had over the last few years and it's because of negligent ownership okay we're going to pretty much wrap up now even though um we could have sat and talked probably for another 4 hours we could but I am going to wrap it up. But before we do, we have got a game on Wednesday against Gillingham and I am going to ask you for a score prediction because I always do. Um well let's let's hope it's uh let's hope it's another win. Um I'm not hope. We're going for a prediction. Yes, here. okay. You give a declaration of a score. Um, all right, what I'll say, two one. Two one Sunderland. Two one win. I, I I can get behind. I'm I don't know anything about Gillingham, I have to be honest. Yeah, I've got that problem all season. To be honest, every yeah. every team I've played, I've been like, "Yeah, we should beat Scunthorpe," <laughs> but I know absolutely nothing about Scunthorpe. But it should be a win because it's Scunthorpe, and why wouldn't we beat Scunthorpe? <laughs> and I've done that with every game. Apart from, I knew a little bit about Charlton, but they're a yeah. big ass sort of team. Yeah. Portsmouth, I know a little bit about because you, you do keep an eye on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But everyone else, I mean, yeah. Fleetwood, I couldn't tell you one player. I couldn't tell you where in the country that is. Blackpool. All right, it's next to Blackpool. Okay. I think. I think they're called the Maybe. Shrimpers, aren't they? Yeah, they played that's Highbury. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. they could I knew that really. Yeah, and I don't know. Try to think of other ones like that. AFC Wimbledon. Could I name a player? No. 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 I can only name players of. I I I can tell a Scunthorpe story because they were they were top of the league a couple of seasons ago. They've always up and around. They've yeah, been they've players, been. They've been I mean, and so that's why. I mean, I don't know. I have to be honest. I've not paid attention to them since doing that piece, really. But they were a good, solid, big team, not full of stars or anything like that. But I mean, I think knocking them over. 3 0 is is kind of pretty impressive Please. because they're they're well used to this yeah. level. So I'm trying to think about how I can tell this story. I mean I have done the swearing thing already, but I you just do it. You broke the rules. Well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like swear, but I spoke to the owner or the chairman who said that they have a real he has a real problem. Is this because, at the weekend? No. Oh no. No, this was ages ago. This right. was a couple of seasons ago. So I like spoke to the manager or whoever it was at the time and the player captain and spoke to the chairman and he sort of said one of Scunthorpe's problems is that if you're trying to like drum up interest in the club if you're trying to get sponsorship and marketing stuff like that he says he sends out emails from his official email account and half the time they get bounced back because of obscenity 
Oh, I see. See what he's getting out there? Yeah, yeah. The bit before the hope. In there the, is. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was quite funny. Why don't I just say Scunny? Scunny. Or Iron Brew or something. Yeah. Because the other could do that. I know that fan site's called the Iron Brew or something, or Iron Brew. What? The but, Iron. Yeah, but the, the fan website's called Iron Brew. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, because right. Iron, Iron Brew. Get it? Yeah. 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 Clever. Not yeah. Scottish. But. Okay. Right. We are going to wrap it up. So thanks, George, for coming on. Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak about Sunderland and Northeast football, to be honest. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Good You luck. should get yourself down at Bly Spartans, actually. I do. I sponsored a player. I sponsored the player and manager at Bly Spartans a couple of seasons ago. Well, do you sponsor them now? No. I love Blythe. I love Blythe Spartans. How often do you go? Uh, very, very rarely. Almost when was never. the last time you were there? Oh, God. Putting me onto the spot. On the spot. <laughs> I didn't go last season. Um, I've gone a couple of times a season before. That would be the promotion. You must have yeah. The, yeah got and Tom Wade uh, is a fantastic fella. I love He's Tom He's a family Wade. friend of mine, actually. Is Tom he? Wade. Yeah. I loved him. I did a I did a piece when they had that amazing cup run. Oh, Hartlepool. Hartlepool. So I was there yeah. for that game and then previewed the game against... Go on. Go on. Birmingham? Yep. Birmingham. Um, and he's just a great... He was a great fella. And I kind of fell in love with him a little bit in terms of that sort of just proper old school northeast football. Just lovely... Ah, he loves Lovely it. fella. He was up at uh, Ashen last. That was where right. he last was at. Was yeah, Steve Palmerson? Yeah. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. What he... Oh, actually, he's a he's a scout for the FA now. Is he? Yeah. Proper but... proper fella. Yeah. And were you there for the OE09 Cup run, Blackburn? With um, Sam Allardyce. I may have been, <gasps> but my memory for that is not. It's ten years ago now. It's ten years. I would, I would try and go and see. I would try and go and watch them once a season. Okay, well, if you ever want to come down on a Tuesday or something, that's probably the best time for you, isn't it? I imagine. Probably, yeah. Give us a shout because I'll yeah. I'll give you a tour and everything. Oh, who's the brilliant player? Robbie Dale. Yes, Robbie. Is Robbie Dino. Robbie Dino. Um, he, I'm sure his mum, his mum owns the. Yeah, he works. Runs a pub, pub just yeah. around the corner from me. Yeah. Oh, do you live in Gosford? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll not give away more of your address. That's I'll not mention the pub. <laughs> okay. Code. Thanks for coming on, George, and thanks for talking. Sunderland, Newcastle, Blythe, Ashton everyone else in between <laughs> protests loved it and all that and thanks Alex even though you're not here for oh it's fine yeah <laughs> dropping your pills of wisdom Max Power <laughs> you remembered my name Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.